Hi, Doss here, the lead editor on the A16Z growth team with a quick bit of context. The conversation that follows is part of a series we recorded last month at our AI Revolution event. This series features some of the most impactful builders in the field of AI, from those who are scaling up big foundation models to those developing products that could transform entire industries. In the conversations, they discuss and debate where we are, where we're going, and the big open questions in AI. For the full series, subscribe to A16Z Live or visit a16z.com slash AI Revolution. Before we jump into the conversation, please note that the content here is for informational purposes only, should not be taken as legal, business, tax, or investment advice, or be used to evaluate any investment or security, and is not directed at any investors or potential investors in any A16Z fund. For more details, please see a16z.com slash disclosures. And now, let's get into it. We just had a session talking about how um, generative AI is potentially transforming all types of media. Tell us a bit about how AI is transforming the way folks are building games on, on Roblox. Yeah, we expansively go beyond gaming even, and we think about the ultimate form of the way humans communicate at a distance. And we like what we see in a lot on our platform, in addition to playing, is just how do uh, kids connect with their friends in the middle of COVID? Uh, how do people go to a concert with their friends when they can't go together in person? How do we, in our own office, simulate serendipity when some of us are remote? So we have a simulation of the Roblox office that we're playing around with inside of Roblox. So if you start, if we, if we take a step back and say immersive 3D, it will, with market forces, follow the phone system, video communication, SMS, then the the influencers are just massive. And I, I think there's three categories. I, I liked some of the earlier discussion. There is one category where people on our platform don't even think of it as AI, even though it's been going on for two or three or four years. Um, quality of personalized discovery, hmm. uh, quality of safety, civility, <laughs> voice and text uh, monitoring, asset monitoring, hmm. quality of real-time natural translation, how good is our translation versus others. So that's, that's the one that people don't notice. The next one is, I think, the one that's really exciting right now, which is generative, either code generative, 3D object generative, avatar generative, game generative, which is uh -huh. very interesting. And then, and then the future one, which is really exciting, is how far do we get to a virtual doppelganger or a general intelligence agent uh -huh. inside of a virtual environment? that's very easy to create by user. You want George Washington in your 12 year old school project. How good is George Washington? Or I want, um, I'm a not on Tinder, but if someday Tinder has a Roblox app, can I send my virtual doppelganger for the first 3D meeting kind of thing? So I think, I think going all the way from the things we don't notice to the things that are exciting around generative to future, then general intelligence, these are all going to change the way this works. That's very exciting. And when you think about the parts that go into building the game today, like there's just so many, so many, so many pieces, right? There's the, um, there's the concepting, the storyboarding, there's the writing, there's the creation of the 2D images, the 3D assets, then there's the code and the physics engine. And so Roblox has built many of these pieces into its own studio and its platform. Um, what parts do you think will be most affected by this new generation of generative models that you just spoke about? 
Yeah, it's almost worth saying the antithesis, what will not be affected, mm -hmm. because ultimately there will be acceleration on all of these. We have a bit of an optimistic viewpoint right now because of the, say, 65 million people on Roblox. Most of them are not creating at the level they mm -hmm. would want to. And, and we, for a long time, imagined uh, simulation of Project Runway, where in the early days of Roblox, we imagined Project Runway is just pretty skeuomorphic. You have sewing machines and fabrics and it's all 3D simulated and that's how you would do it. But when we think about it, even that's kind of complex for most of us. And I think now when Project Runway shows up on Roblox, it will be text prompt, image prompt, voice prompt, whatever you want, as if you're you're sitting there and if I was helping you make that, I'd say I want kind of a blue denim shirt. I want some cool things. I want some buttons, make it a little more trim, fit it. What we'll see those kind of creations. So I, I actually think we're going to see an acceleration of creation. I think one of the things um, uh, you might have mentioned earlier in the podcast is the idea that people can create experiences inside of other experiences. And so even when they're inside a game, to your point, they have a fully personalized avatar or cosmetic. Right. Yeah. I think that, you know, the classic uh, 3D creation is use these heavyweight Blender, 3D Studio, Maya, yeah. Roblox Studio, use these things. And and for a while, we at Roblox were thinking, how do we make Roblox Studio easier to use? Two million people use it. But there is another level above that. We saw early signs of this as our users tried to build, you know, tycoon builder, roller coaster builder, those kind of things. Uh -huh. The more access they have to the 3D objects and the more persistence, all of a sudden you get better creation. As AI starts being a service available within any experience, rather than you creating, you know, we would like Project Runway to make the ultimate Project Runway experience, dynamic, persistent 3D clothing, not in Maya or 3D Studio, but in the experience itself, accelerated by cloud AI tools to help that. And then there's so much leverage. We're not having to make Roblox Studio better. We're providing a lot for then that very vertical creation experience that we would see the same for cars and for automobiles and for for all kinds of other things. Yeah. But I think one of the things you're getting at here is just the power of um, the concept of a personalized playthrough. Yeah. And so the idea is that maybe every user in Roblox in the future has a fully unique experience that's tailored to their preferences and the choices they made and so on and so forth. Yeah, so I think you're touching on an even further extension with it takes probably a lot of compute horsepower, which is completely personalized generation in real time backed by massive inference stuff. Uh -huh. So you, you could imagine, okay, I'm making the super Dungeons and Dragons thing, but as it watches you play and maybe we know your history, you're, you'll be playing a 3D experience that no one's ever seen before. So I, I think mm -hmm. we will see in certain types of play, real-time procedural at some point that obviously mm -hmm. you need enough inference in real-time to generate what you would like. Right. Um, our, our, one of the good things we've done, and I can see some Roblox people in the audience here, is we, we for a long time really focused on building our own infrastructure. We have hundreds of thousands of servers, mm -hmm. you know, many, many edge data centers, terabits of connectivity that we've traditionally used for 3D simulation that the more we can run inference jobs on these, we can run super high volume inference at high quality at low cost and make this, you know, uh -huh. just freely available so the creators don't worry about it.
Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And actually, just on the topic of infrastructure, in your latest shareholder letter, you had actually mentioned that Roblox is working on your own multimodal generative model, right, that will encompass many of the things that we just chatted about. <laughs> Can you tell us a bit more about sort of what you're building there? And Yeah, I think that, I mean, the, the, there's probably, you know, in any company like a Roblox, there's probably 20 or 30 end user vertical applications that uh -huh. are probably very bespoke, you know, natural language filtering, very different than generative 3D. Uh -huh. And at the end user point, we want all of those running we want to use all of the data um, in an opt-in fashion to help make these better, tune these better. But as we go down, 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 there's pr there's probably a natural two or three clustering of general, bigger, fatter type models in a company like ours. There's definitely one around safety, civility, natural language processing, natural language translation. Mm -hmm. Generally, a, one more multimodal thing around 3D creation. How would how would you, um, just like in Project Runway, say um, some combination of text, image, whatever, generate a great avatar? Uh -huh. And then there's probably a third area which gets into the virtual human area, which is how would we take the 5 billion hours of human opted in data, what we're saying, how we're moving, where we go together, uh -huh. how we work in a 3D environment, and could we use that to maybe inform a better 3D simulation of a human. So I would say, yes, looking at large models in those three areas. And I, and I think, you know, the market as we see it, there's, there's going to be these super big, whatever, God model, massive LLM type companies. I think we are probably a layer below that. We're very fine-tuned for the disciplines we want, uh -huh. but the ability to train and run massive inference for yeah. these. But it's a massive, um proprietary data set that you guys are working off of, of all of the 3D assets okay. that have been created in Roblox over the, that, over the years and so on that you can train off of. There's a lot of data in, in any kind of 3D immersive environment. Uh -huh. um, the communication from people which can inform safety and civility, uh, 3D motion, eye tracking, uh -huh. how do humans interact? I think I think what one area we're really watching, that's a very difficult issue, problem right now, is true high quality 3D gener generation as opposed to 2D generation. There's a, there's a lot of wonderful 2D generation stuff out there. We're, we're really double down on 3D generation. How do you think about what parts of the tech stack you want to partner with um, from external partners, for example, versus you know building yourself in-house with all of that, the data and the compute resources that you have available? I, th I think... Um, Areas that we're interested in uh -huh. are um, there's a lot there's companies exploring what's the future of training cheaply at mega volume what's the future of running inference cheaply at mega volume what types of technology abstracts away different hardware devices um, how can you run a mixed CPU, GPU environment um, over time? We're very interested in that. Uh -huh. um, so I think we're watching those types of tech stacks a lot. Do you think you'll need to have a new like user interface or a discovery mechanism just as the sheer quantity of games and experiences you know, if we're moving towards a metaverse? You know, ultimately whether it's Amazon or Netflix or TikTok or YouTube, I think that for us, the difficult discovery problem is you're trying to optimize 
tenure enterprise value along with your stock price every year that you get there. And a lot of short-term discovery hmm. mechanisms do not optimize long-term value. And yeah. some amazing creation gets suppressed where it could have added 5% to the platform. So I think uh -huh. um, there's a lot of opportunities in discovery. I think super hard to, you know, not a solved problem, although many companies are solving it in really interesting ways right now. I think the user interface, there, there's, ways that can change as well. I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of opportunity in addition to thinking of this just as content and thinking of this as your real-time social graph and thinking through uh -huh. what other people are doing in addition to the content. It's fascinating because I think one of the examples of um, AI being used by big companies that my team just talked about was Netflix and then I think TikTok as well with their sort of very personalized imaging recommendations. And you could maybe imagine a future where a user that onboards into Roblox isn't, doesn't actually see a library or a catalog of games, but it's just presented with like a feed and it's almost like you're just going from one the, thing to the next. This is really right. I think we're, we are constantly testing, you know, the new user experience. Um, should that be 2D? Should that be 3D? What's the waiting between creating your digital identity versus discovery? What's the waiting between connecting with your friends and optimizing all that. And, and we may find that it's, it has to be personalized. So I want to shift briefly to the player perspective. Um, uh, now that you've had it, you have a couple of AI tools, like things like the code assist and the material generator out, um, what has been the reception from the creators, the players that have encountered this, like any, any feedback? Whenever we give more capabilities to the, the user or the player base, we, we have historically seen a lot of acceleration, even if it's very um, early. And so I think it, it's, it's still super early. Um, the things we have launched right now are, are just a very light layer, you know, code generation, super exciting, mm -hmm. uh, material generation, super exciting, potentially um, prompt driven avatar creation, mm -hmm. even more exciting. Potentially, you know, general purpose 3D asset creation, even more exciting. Do you think the types of games that leverage these sorts of technologies might change themselves in terms of the gameplay mechanics, like the, the genres that you might see emerge? Yeah, I think we will see, like, I'm, I'm optimistic we will, um, the more people have control of inexperienced creation, uh -huh. For example, going back to the Project Runway or Carly Kloss type example, experiences where uh, creation amongst 65 or 70 million people is just part of the way it goes uh -huh. Uh -huh. have not been possible. But an, an experience where there's millions of people acting as fashion designers and uh -huh. voting and picking who's got the best stuff and then possibly imagining some of that you know, going off and being produced in real life or some of them being plucked up by Parsons and saying, okay, the future designer. So, so you could imagine just like in, um, you know, there's a race car driver that got picked because they were so good at a simulator. You know, you could, you can imagine other genres like fashion design, other types of creation where you actually create on platform and then get identified as a future star. I'm just really excited about the notion of taking the creativity that you find in kids doing imaginative play and then turbocharging that basically with AI tools where it's like, what if 
this would have happened? What if there was a natural disaster in the middle of this room? And that's right. Right now, it's actually it's very difficult for those creators to make those experiences. But like with a text prompt, you could imagine that those games would just materialize and just like that diversity and uh, that the wildness of those experiences. Could yeah, be. I think having a text prompt that's generative, not <laughs> at the developer level, you know, building the big heavy game, but having text or voice prompt is just something that's naturally part uh -huh. of any experience wherever you go. And it's almost like rather than the traditional ways with either voxels or this of building things in 3D experiences, it just becomes natural uh -huh. to use a text prompt. Just like um, in a traditional avatar editor, rather than sliders and radio buttons, that will move to, I think, a more interactive type uh -huh. text prompt thing. And something we've been excited about is just the notion of um, uh, NPCs as teachers and co-pilots with you as well, right? And so let's say <clears throat> the first time that you're onboarding the Roblox, you could have a guide that basically shows you what to go, where to go next. And then if you're interested in building, you know, helps you lay your first few, you know, experiences together and so on. And that feels like it's potentially very powerful as <clears throat> the concept of like NPCs as co-pilots and sort of co-players with us as needed. Yeah, I think there's a lot of um, interesting stuff going on in various ecosystems around this co-pilot notion um there there is one co-pilot where we're all wearing like our little earbud all day long and that co-pilot is talking to us so that's more maybe more consumer real-time co-pilot uh, there's obviously many companies trying to build a co-pilot that you hook up to your email your text your slack your web browser and whatever and it starts acting for you. I'm really interested in the notion that co-pilots will either, will talk to other co-pilots using like natural English, I think will be the universal interface of co-pilots. And you, you would imagine NPCs being created by prompts, you know, hey, I, I'm building the historical constitutional thing. I want George Washington there, but I want George Washington to act at the highest level of civility and utter okay. new users through the experience, tell them a little about constitutional history, go away when they're done. <laughs> like, like I actually do think you will see those yeah. kind of assistance. That's an incredible example because what better way of learning history than actually talking to the, the folks that were part of that historical scene or time period or so on, right? And so you could actually yeah. see how this advances the educational. Yeah, we've been, we've been talking a lot about the communication aspect of going to ancient Rome with your friends, uh -huh. the augmentation of you'll go to ancient Rome and most of the people you'll interact with will be historically as good as we can create uh -huh. representations to enrich in that experience. It'll be pretty fascinating. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so one non-AI question that I wanted to tee up and then <clears throat> when you get into our closing questions, um, a couple of weeks ago, you had tweeted that um, uh, the Roblox app on um, MetaQuest had actually hit a million downloads in just the first five days in, in its beta form. It was yeah, yeah. out on, its, on the actual Oculus Store. So what are your thoughts on VR, spatial computing? Yeah, so our, our thesis has been that just as when the iPhone shipped and all of a sudden we had 2D HTML consumable on a small screen rather than a large screen with the pinch and zoom. And now we take it for granted. I think my kids probably don't realize there was some cheesy mobile web thing <laughs> 10 years ago, pre iPhone, where browsers were large screen things. 
Um, now we just assume 2D HTML is everywhere. I think 3D, we feel, is the same. It's, yeah. um, it's immersive multiplayer in the cloud, simulated 3D. And because of that, every device has better optimal for the device camera, optimal for the device user interaction, different levels of immersiveness. Your phone is not as immersive as uh -huh. um, your VR headset, but your phone is more spontaneous. So uh -huh. um, I think we've, we felt that, and we think the market ultimately figures out which device you uh -huh. assume this with. And and we're, we're not trying to move the market, but we do want to be in every uh -huh. place so we can watch the market move right. with our players. I, I would say one of the historical things we've done is all of our 3D engineers are working on crappy Android devices as their primary test device, mm -hmm. which has been enabled, that helped with Oculus. Because I'm not saying it's a crappy Android device, but I'm saying um, <laughs> it, it's got two, um, it's rendering two eyes rather than one, sure. which is technically challenging. And so having a foundation of more working at high performance rather right. than harvesting 16 cores helped us to do that. And I think it's exciting to think about um, potentially different types of experiences being optimized for different devices, right? And so maybe you play a tycoon game on your PC where you have a mouse and keyboard, and then you play a first-person shooter in the VR headset. That's until right. you're picking the right device. That's exactly yeah. right. It's impossible to abstract all the way across hand yeah. controllers down to a phone. Right. Makes sense. Excellent. So quick um, lightning round of fun questions to players. Cool. What is your favorite book? Infinite Game. What is your favorite game? Chess. Chess. <laughs> and um, what is the best advice that you have received as a young person from a mentor or a friend or so on? Wow. I, I kind of feel I didn't get much good advice when I was young. Actually. <laughs> the worst advice I got from my dad is you should go into accounting and business. Um, so... I don't know. I guess my advice would be, I'm trying to think who gave me great advice. Uh, my, my general advice to everyone would be, I thought, you know, my first two jobs were a disaster and just like, ah, you know, whatever, but life is long. And I think if you, my general advice, if you find something you're really good at and you love at the same time, that's the, that's obviously the optimal Venn diagram. You know, it's not to follow your passion. It's not follow what you're good at. Can you overlap those Venn diagrams, which is like the sweet yeah. spot? And what is one, what is one wild prediction for how you think the world will evolve over the next five years? Five years. I have a Turing test question for AI, and that would be if we took AI in 1633 and trained on all the available information at that time. Would it predict the Earth or the Sun is the center of the solar system, even though 99.9% .9 of the information is saying the Earth is the center of the solar system? <laughs> so I think five years is right at the fringe okay. of if we were to run that AI Turing test, it might say the Sun. Interesting. Got it. Do you have a different answer if it was 10 years? 10 years, I think it'll say the Sun. Awesome. Thank you, David. This has been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this conversation from our AI Revolution series. For more, subscribe to A16Z Live or visit a16z.com slash AI 
revolution.